Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By no one's demand, but our own and from our home office here in sunny, scenic, quarantine, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. And from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios, it is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. And it's brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com. What's up, guys? Happy Tuesday. Uh, I laughed because I literally ran out of breath in the middle of that intro. I don't know what's happening to me. It's very, very early on a Tuesday morning, but that's okay because we're happy to be back here with you. We're going to have a fun talk today with our friends Mike Wilson of the Knoxville New Sentinel and Ron Slay, VFL basketball great. We're essentially going to do an autopsy on the basketball's season given the way that they crapped themselves on Friday. It didn't, get a, it didn't get a chance to come up on the radio show on Monday because we were preempted by college basketball. We're going to move on to volunteer football because spring practice officially begins today as you're hearing this podcast. And football is on the horizon, thank God. But in the meantime, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford before we get to our friends Mike and Slay. Of course you know that you can trust the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford because you've trusted them for nearly 40 years in Middle Tennessee. Honesty and integrity, that is what they choose to operate with. That is what they choose to incorporate into their business model at Two Rivers Ford. John Barker, Matthew Barker, a family-owned business out in Mount Juliet, they are providing you with a non-commissioned sales staff that's going to make sure that you feel no pressure throughout the car buying experience and is also going to provide you with exceptional Ford vehicles. The 2021 Ford Bronco, the new electric Mach-E Mustang, and the F-150. They're all available for you right now on the lot. Go test drive one if you so choose. Or go customize your own online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Mike and Slay. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast. Slay is situated. He immediately freezes. Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel is here. Man, it was a disaster on Friday. It feels like it was 10 years ago that it happened. But the Tennessee Volunteers flamed out in just dramatic fashion against Oregon State, who seems to be a little bit of a tournament darling. But that's unacceptable, Slay. Defend your boys before me and Mike start to rip into them. Well, first of all, man, there's no defense. There's no defense I can throw out there. That's first and foremost. You know, I'm a realist also. Even though I'm a Vol faithful, I I am a realist. And 
this is what we saw during the season. You know, there was this is a team that really could have went to the Final Four or the Sweet 16, or it's a team that could have got put out in the first round and didn't show up at all. We saw the latter, and I mean, it serves them right. But I do want to say to both of you all, under the circumstances of things needed for this team to make a run, those things weren't available, and I was trying to get everybody to push their brakes a little bit like going down a hill, either you can hit the brakes really hard or you can pump them a little bit so they don't get hot. Everybody wanted to pump them and not, and they didn't want to pump them. They wanted them to get real hot. So no point guard, Vescovi, a full year in. No big man. Now you look at the guys that left. My guy, Derek Walker, who went to Nebraska. You also had DJ Burns transfer out and went to Winthrop. And we saw what he did in the conference tournament going also into the NCAA tournament. He looked really good out there. Jalen Johnson, who transferred to um, Wake Forest, who was a guy on the wing, 6'7", and March Madness, um, um, the tournament has been running his 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 dunk over and over, and his he should get paid for that name and likeness. I want to throw that out there for him. Um, then you got guys, you know, that 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 aren't there. You know, you, you got a point guard who's better at playing off the ball as far as Viscovi goes. And you heard um, Coach Barnes always harping on, we need the inside presence. We need the inside presence. And we see what that means for teams, even though Luca Garza and those guys just got put out. You see what that inside presence means for teams. You see what happened with Loyola, um, Chicago, even though they had a, um, a good luck charm slash hideous, um, 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 I, I don't know what you want to call this, this thing that they get to use as in Sister Jean, the nun. I love it to death. But to walk into a gym and see Sister Jean sitting there on the mezzanine level, you might as well turn around and walk back out the door because you're going to lose. She's inevitable. It's like Thanos. It's inevitable. Anybody that can give a scouting report disguised as a prayer, you're going to win, dude. It's a heady play by Sister Jean, Mike. I, I just... I can't, I can't come to terms with the level of basketball. Like for all of the reasons that Slay just laid out, it's totally feasible. What happened to them? I think yeah. people who, like, like the both of you who have been following this all year long understand what kind of struggles this team was up against. But Oregon State, I know they played very, very well down the stretch. I know they looked really, really strong in the Pac-12 tournament. And the Pac-12, ironically enough, is really the only, the only conference that's still standing whole at the end of this but to to poop themselves that way mike like it just i could not i could not get over it on friday yeah it was fitting that slay was frozen at the start of this because he looked a lot like tennessee's offense uh, i mean that 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 was poetic in so many ways um i mean all all the issues that he outlined were were what we kind of knew about this team going in but we expected john fulkerson to be the inside guy i mean that that was always going to be a thing for this team was John Fulkerson and Eve Pons are why this team was expected to do so much more. Knowing there wasn't a true point guard, but knowing he probably had enough options to get past that, that you could overcome it. Um, but Keon Johnson's not a point guard. Jaden Springer's not a point guard. None of those guys are point guards. They can run it, but not effectively and efficiently like they need to. So it was a flawed team from the start, and it really did feel like a coin flip in every game they went into for the final two months as to which team was going to show up. So to me, in a lot of ways, this felt like the inevitable end. Um, Because when a team is so unpredictable, you're going to likely have a clunker before you really advance far into this tournament. And I mean, unfortunately for them, they ran into a really hot team and they were absolutely dumbfounded, it seemed like. I mean, there's so many things this team did 
that didn't make sense. I've never seen a team have so many turnovers and shot clock violations out of timeouts. You can't walk back onto a court after a timeout where you've literally been told exactly what you're doing and then have a shot clock violation. That team got beat on so many baseline out of bounds plays out of timeouts. Another thing where you can see where we sit in the media section at Thompson Bowling Arena, we're right next to that Tennessee bench. You can hear the coaches yelling out exactly what's coming and Tennessee still got beat on those things. Uh, I mean, there were just so many execution things that, that plagued this team all year. And I mean, that, that doomed them. I mean, the, the flaws they had and the issues they kept bringing up doomed them. Well, and that's the thing that, that is kind of the focal point of the conversation around Tennessee, because everybody immediately goes to Rick Barnes's record in March, Rick Barnes's record in March, and it ignores the bigger issues that this roster was having with simple things like Mike just laid out execution. Uh, I mean, the availability of Fulkerson, as we've mentioned time and time again, and we knew that he was going to be important uh, one way or the other, depending on the level of play that he brought to the court, given the struggles that he's experienced all season long. But I, it still comes back to more than anything, just for the sake of the general Vols fan who is frustrated by their basketball team, who continues to hold a little bit of uh, hate in their heart that Rick Barnes almost went to UCLA and instead came back for more money. And this is the product that his team continues to put out on the court, or at least down the important stretches and into March. It's, it's a unique crossroads. I feel like slay for Rick Barnes with Tennessee. And I'm wondering how much of that is warranted or how much the common fan for lack of a better term is kind of, overlooking the issues that the players were having and kind of making Barnes the focal point. That's, that's what I think it is. Um, I think it's the fan overlooking it is, and that's the easiest thing. He's the, he's the face of the program coach Barnes is, and it's easy to point your finger at him. But if you go back and you listen to presses and you listen to the players talking, it's the, it, it has to fall on the players. For me, as a former player looking at it, anytime a guy comes out and says, you know, we're, we're looking for guys to come in and be focused. We're looking for guys to come up and show up. Um, everybody's not showing up when we need them to. That's echoing what's going on in the locker room. It's hands down, ain't no question about it. And we wasn't privy to that this year because we didn't get to hear them speak a lot. You know, um, as far as the fans, I think Coach Barnes did a terrific job as far as protecting those guys from whatever they were going through. I didn't really hear them talking to them. Whatever the they were going through, these vultures yeah. like Mike. <laughs> That's what they're going through. These damn media. Mike vultures. was on the loose. Mike was on the loose. But you, you, you got to think, man. When you finally did get to hear him, you hear him speak. We heard from Jaden Springer after the Auburn game, and him speak up. You hear from guys like Keon, and you can see it. You know, with with the guys play on the court, that focus not transferring from what the coaches are yelling. Like Mike saying that he could hear them being by the bench yelling it without any fans there, yelling the instructions, and you're still getting beat. Coach Barnes will come back later in the presser and say, you know, we need guys to dial in to what we're saying. They need to follow the scouting report. If you just do those things, we can put you in a position to win. That falls on you guys. Now, everything that goes along with it, not having a point guard, not having a big man, like Mike said, man, they depended on focus. And he, at the last, last that we saw, he was averaging 18, close to 18, the last six or seven games of the season. That's something great to be going into the next season and not only did we think that the whole entire sec thought that the defensive player of the year is coming back and you got focus on the first team selection come on man you got to answer that bell and that just goes to show everybody's not equipped to do that you can get hot 
But to consistently do that over the course of a year takes a different time, a different kind of guy. And I think that's why he always went back to, and us as fans, consistency. We don't see it. You don't even have it as your star player, the consistency. So, well, and now for better, for better or worse, Mike, they're essentially getting, uh, you know, they're getting the opportunity to kind of scrub the roster clean, whether it's by their own choice, by transfers, by graduations, all of these things. Yeah, to bounce off what Slay said too, I thought what was really interesting going into this season was who is the leader? Um, and you know, I think we talk about leadership probably too much sometimes, but sometimes it becomes a really serious issue. And you know, you think back to those really good Tennessee teams three, four years ago, the number of alpha people on that team, and you've got Admiral Schofield, who's a mega dominant personality, dog. but you've also got Lamonte Turner, who's a bigger dog yeah. than Admiral Schofield. So you've got two mega alphas who can check each other. And that's just not something that this team had. They didn't have a single one of those guys. But teams, when you've got multiple alphas and, and ones who are going to check each other and go at each other, there's a level of competition and respect on those teams that, that's different. Um, I think this team's got a bunch of good dudes, a bunch of nice guys, but I didn't see anyone who's going to walk in that locker room or into a huddle and just go at their teammates for unacceptable things that are going on in the court. Um, and I think when there's not someone doing that, it's really easy to let it slide. Um, now, Josiah Jordan James should be that guy. He talks about being that guy. He's a nice kid, um, very nice kid, a little bit passive on the court at times, as we've all seen. He had a great press conference after the loss to Oregon State talking about how a lot of the leadership falls on him. But now he's got to do something about it and show something about it because he's going to be one of the few returning pieces, I think, on this team. Um, and, and it's going to be built a lot around him as Kennedy Chandler comes in, Jemai Meshack comes in, uh, presumably a couple transfers, probably a couple bigs. I'm sure you're going and getting a shooter. Uh, it's going to look a lot different next year, but the guys coming back like him, he's got to lead that group. Um, he's he's got to elevate and be vocal and, and be that guy because no one did that for them this year. And and just kind of uh, what, what you mentioned earlier before we started recording, the roster turnover that they're about to have. I know you're writing this up for the Knoxville News Sentinel, which of course is well worth your subscription. Go make sure that writers like Mike can continue to write great work and rip Slay's, ba Slay's basketball team up and down the court when they deserve it. Uh, get, kind of go through for the audience what you and I were discussing before we went to air. Yeah, I think we're going to see about half the roster probably turnover. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to see Keon and Jaden obviously head for, for the NBA. 99.8% um, certainty, I think, on both those guys being gone. Um, you know, you're, you're losing presumably Fulkerson and, and Eve. Um, I think Fulkerson, there's still a little bit unsettled there with him, it sounds like, but I, I think going pro makes a lot more sense for him. He's, he'll be 24 in a month. Um, go, go make some money uh, while you can. I mean, you got a window there. Um, EJ Anasiki was a guy that I think they expected to come back, but I don't think it makes sense for either side for him to come back anymore. And I think beyond that, you know, you look at the 2019 recruiting class, guys like Drew Pember, Devontae Gaines, you know, didn't have a role on this team. Um, and with what I assume Tennessee is going to go out and try to add, you kind of got to wonder if they look at the writing on the wall and say, nah, this doesn't make sense for me anymore. Because both those guys were like, you know, they, they, I think Pember played in a third of the games. Devontae Gaines played maybe two thirds, but three minutes a game when they play. So uh, you're going to see a lot of guys leave, I think. Um, and understandably, not not running away from a situation, but just makes sense for people to depart. Slay, you feel any better that Oregon State beat Kate Cunningham? Yeah, I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I was cheering for that. I, I needed them to stay on fire <laughs> in the handle business. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think so, man. Um, but looking at it, that Oregon State team dude was on fire, man. Like, 
and they were rotating guys in. It wasn't, and it wasn't anything that I, I think you didn't see on paper, you know, that you could have looked from the conference tournament on to playing against those guys. And I think you could have beat them, but apparently that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. You know, we had a, a problem with leaving shooters all year. And what do we do? We leave, um, what's the kid, Jacob? Um, what's the shooter for Oregon State? I forgot his name. Oh, man. The, uh, <laughs> the white kid. He fills uh, it up. Whatever his name is. I forgot. I got it written down. I, no, I'm blanking on it, too. Yeah, but he was a guy that was left in early in the game and hit two threes. And it's like, how do you leave the only real shooter shooting 39% on their team? Like, you don't do that. That's not being engaged in what's going on. So, I'm glad this season is over, and I'm more intrigued Um like like Mike was alluding to, I'm I'm more intrigued to see what what happens with this roster. You know, um, if you if you can do anything, pull any rabbits out the hat and try to keep Keon or Jaden, which I know you can't, but <laughs> I would love to see it happen selfishly. You know what I mean? But uh, you see that, and then you wonder what Fulkerson uh, does. I, I heard his presser and after his uh, senior night, and he said he couldn't go through another night like that. So I think he kind of led to what was going to happen with him. And Eves Eves is a guy, man, that's married and. You know, um, he's European. He can go make a lot more money, if not in the NBA, over back in France with one of those top teams. Um, so going to be interesting, man. Drew Pember, like you said, all those guys, Devontae Gaines, and a lot of that, man, I I hate to put a lot of that on the, um, the staff, but Devontae Gaines was a guy that went to prep school and was continuing to get better every year. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, it's like he hit a wall. And, you know, I wouldn't able to be up there in the summer to see the guys work out and see who was growing and doing whatever, but he hit a wall, but I would like to say Euros looked like he got better. Now he was at the bottom floor and all he had to do was go up to two or three steps and that was getting better, but he did get better. His body looked more defined when he got in towards the SEC tournament and then NCAA tournament. So hopefully that's something that they can lean on too, but we'll see. So we've done the autopsy on Tennessee basketball. I, you know, mercifully or, or whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it, it's done for the time being, but now slay a new, uh, a new opportunity for pain in balls fans life. Spring practice is tentatively expected, uh, expected to start by the time that the good people are hearing this podcast on Tuesday, Mike, is that still on track? Is Tennessee going to have spring football at this point? You know, minutes before you and I and Slayer hopped on here, Tennessee did say they're starting on Thursday. Okay. So there, there is spring football. Yeah, as you said, there's an opportunity again for misery and pain for people. Yep. Um, but that's ever present in Knoxville, Tennessee, as we all well know. So understanding that and understanding all of these things, don't laugh, Slay. You know this is true. I'm just trying. I'm just, we're just trying to be real with you, man. It's because we love you. It is, man. That's how they do it in the boom boom room. Okay, it they is. keep it real. Okay, it is, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. So understanding all of the things that are going to be uh, scrutinized this season between Heupel in his first year, Danny White's hire, the quarterback position, and all of these things that needed to be revamped, much less the NCAA stuff that continues to loom. Uh, Mike, what are you looking for when when this thing gets underway officially tomorrow and moving? moving forward into spring. I want to see if this offense can score some dang points. Um, Cause both as, as a journalist, you know, all of us have been dealt watching really boring football um, for, for the past three years. Um, fans have obviously been dealt the same card of 
mean, what they scored 20 points a game last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, just, it's hard to watch football from any perspective you have journalist, fan opponent. I mean, whatever you're looking at it, it was tough to watch. Um, But this looks like a different brand. Um, And and I think what was so interesting with the hire and something I keep coming back to is there's obviously a talent gap between Tennessee and, and the elite opponents in the sec, but fastest way to level a playing field when there's a talent gap is points. Uh, get out there, score some points, and and make force the other team to do the same thing. And uh, I'm curious how the quarterback position unfolds. That'll have a big say in that. I think they got the talent at wide receiver to do some good things. Defense, a major question mark, and that, that'll remain a major question mark, I think. But, yeah, let, let's see what this offense is about. Let, let's see how this translates into this conference and, and against those good teams. Slay, you ready to get hurt again? You know what, man? I, I honestly think I'm, I'm walking out of the morgue and I'm walking into the cemetery that I'm not necessarily put into the ground. So yeah. that means it's a chance yeah. and I can have life. I could be, I could be brought back to life until they put me in the ground and put the dirt on me. I'll still be cheering, man. I, I'm, I'm like Mike, man. I, I want to see what this quarterback does. Hopefully um, Salter brings some excitement into it. If he gets that starting job. And I think um, just as far as talking to guys around the program, it's a breath of fresh air with Heifel in there. You know, as far as the kids go, as far as the staff go, just the atmosphere around it is better now um, with, with, with um, Coach Eiffel being in there. So um, I'm interested to see that transfer over into the field and just having fun. It never, like Mike said, it was never fun. It didn't look fun for the players, let alone the fans watching the game. Like it was plenty of cigars ruined um, on the back porch with me and Ramon watching the game. So Hopefully um, things open up and we can get up there and tailgate and, you know, I can, um, you know, do my keg stands and everything else that comes with tailgating and that can be some excitement brought into it. So I'm ready. I'm not going to be hurt. We're at the ground floor. Yep. I'm like Euros, baby. I'm walking up. I can only get better. <laughs> Just one, one step at a time. Half step. That's it. <laughs> Mike, when's the last time you did a keg stand? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, That's why I asked it. Say, no, thank you. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'm good at my job. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many podcasts and radio hits I've done with you, but this is the first time you've asked a good question. Um, so, so, so maybe the answer is I need to do one in the near future. Uh-huh. Uh, it's been long enough that I can't answer the question, and I, I feel like that's a good thing. Um, I, I'm, I guess that's up to your judgment more than mine, but probably a good thing. Slay, how's the, what's the longest keg stand you've done recently? Because it sounds like you're not that far removed. No, I'm not. I, I'm actually just two years removed and yeah. that's because we were bad one year and then COVID hit. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I am two years removed and I was on the clock for 47 seconds. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, what does your stomach feel like? Yeah, after it, was, that? it was crazy. It was crazy. And the only reason I did it is because Bobby Graham, former football player, he challenged me and he got up there and did it. So, you know, you can't one up me. I got to one up you. So I'm that guy, you know, so 47 seconds, light night, light night right there. Yeah, just Mike's face alone tells the, the good people watching on YouTube everything they need to know about what the hell it would be like if Mike and I tried to do a keg stand for 47 minutes. I'd literally throw up through my nose. I'm sorry, hey, people of YouTube, for what just happened. <laughs> hey, man, you talking it's to always a guy that did the funnels, man. Funnel with a shot in it. So a full beer and a shot. In I think the the funnel. Don't drink it. You got to wear it. Oh, God. I think the last time I did a funnel was my freshman year of college, and I funneled a four loco when they could still give you a heart attack. But since then, that's probably the last time I've been on a funnel. It's probably for the best. But that was kind of silly. It was so, dumb. 
My, my best college bar at Michigan State is a bar called Crunchies, and they sell beer by the bucket there. Oh, really? That's literal mop bucket full of beer. Give you a, give you a wow. pitcher to scoop it out. Iconic location, See, man. Shout this out. This conversation country. can go anywhere, dude. That's that's the good thing about this. Like, it was, a, it was a strip on the bar. It was a bar on the strip that I won't say the name. Well, I, maybe I can't say the name, but I won't. Um, they were selling Long Island um, Ice pictures. Yeah. yeah, in the picture, though. Yeah. And I remember I was behind one time in the summer and walked in, and I'll save the rest of that story next time. I'm gonna book right. That's not, why not for the people of YouTube. Not like for that. the people. Of like that? <laughs> like that. Ron Slay, professional in the boom boom room. You can find this man at Ron Slay 35. Go get your hoodie. Go get your t-shirt. In fact, Slay, I need to go get me a t-shirt for as much as I keep pumping up. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that after we uh, after we wrap up this podcast. Make sure you're reading Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel at by Mike Wilson and go subscribe to the newspaper, damn it, so he can keep writing great articles that he continues to pump out. Thanks, boys. No doubt. Okay, we got a whole bunch of your Music City mailbag questions here for the pod today. You know, you can slide on in my DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G on Instagram if that is where you choose to interact. In fact, that's the only place that you can choose to interact because that's how we get the mailbag questions in. Before we get to your questions, though, of course, I got to remind you, I've got to warn you, I've got to tell you that if you don't go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, I'm going to come find you because the tournament is in full swing in the action. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination has it disappointed, even though Sister Jean continues to infuriate me and it seems slay as well. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It is just that simple. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code A2Z Sports, A-T-O-Z Sports, when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code A to Z Sports to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. Promo code A to Z Sports in the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Okay, so right into your Music City Mailbag questions on the pod, and we have a couple. By the way, you can slide in my DMs on Instagram at BuckRising if you want yours answered. We start with jneal93. I generally consider myself well-versed in contracts and salary cap management. But I do have a question for you. There is a salary cap. You cannot go over the salary cap. Yet there are teams that are in the negative. So if there are teams currently in the negative, that must mean there's a deadline to have your cap situation sorted out. My question, when is the deadline for a team to be at or under the cap? So this is, and he says, I should have worded my question better, so I'm sorry for interrupting your primetime show for better clarification. The deadline is by the start of the league year, which is tomorrow. Yes, so he wrote this last Tuesday. What are the implications of any team, such as the Rams, 
who are, as of 9 p.m., $40 million over the cap if they do not have their cap set by the start of the league year. So this is basically uh, the answer to Jay Neal's question. All of the teams had to be under the salary cap when the new league year begins and free agency officially starts, which the deadline was last Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Now, what he's asking about the Rams specifically and being over the cap past the deadline is essentially they can be fined up to $5 million for each violation. There can be a cancellation of the contracts or they can you know, potentially lose draft picks. It's very much a, a case-by-case situation for the teams based on you know how long they're over the cap, how much they're over the cap, whether the contracts that they've tried to sign are in effect once the new league year begins, because obviously if they don't have the money or they haven't done the things to the salary cap so that it allows them to go out and sign these new players, then they could essentially just void the new contracts and those players remain free agents. But so far, we haven't seen any teams go through that. Jay Neal adds, you're the man. Congrats on the radio show, of course. I discovered Tackling Music City by complete accident on my mail route one day. And I've followed you ever since. Now all I do is binge Titans podcast and dream of a life that doesn't revolve around postage stamps. I'm just a fellow 27-year-old living vicariously through you. Well, we appreciate Jay Neal. Thank you for your support. Tackling Music City was the OG podcast in this. Actually, it was technically foul, and then it became Tackling Music City. But anyway, I digress. Shout out Jay Neal. YOLO Pineapple is asking questions that were not for the Music City mailbag, so we will move on from that, although we appreciate Pineapple's interaction. Hunter Cannon 9999 says, what are your thoughts on the rationale behind releasing Kelly? So obviously there's been some time since he asked this question. That one is a head-scratcher to me. Very solid player at a fair price. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of shit has happened <laughs> since we taped the last podcast now that we're only doing them once a week. And so, Adoree Jackson, Dennis Kelly, both released. Adoree, by the way, got an outrageous contract from the New York Giants, which is going to have implications for somebody. Either the Giants screwed up in giving him that much money, or the Titans screwed up in cutting him, because he basically got a $6 million raise after he got fired from the Titans. He was going to make just over $10 million this year. The Giants are paying him 16 in year one, 27 over Two years, it's a three-year, $39 million deal at this point uh, for Adoree Jackson, which is crazy to me. But I don't know the medicals on Adoree Jackson. I don't know the things that ultimately caused the Titans to move on from Adoree Jackson, other than they weren't satisfied with his play and they felt like he wasn't going to be able to physically rebound. And so at this point, I find that to be interesting. But as it relates to Dennis Kelly, I mean, we, we went through this on a couple different platforms. Obviously, we didn't get to it on the podcast because the podcast would have been dated by the time we got to Dennis, but made a ton of sense, made all the sense in the world. It was always going to happen if they needed that almost $4 million in cap space. They drafted Isaiah Wilson in the first round to ultimately replace Dennis Kelly, and Isaiah didn't work out. But they still needed the money from Dennis, and the contract for Dennis was structured in a way that they could get out from under it after a year. They cut him a year to the day that he signed that three-year extension. So this was always in the plan. 
And it's not that Dennis was a bad player last year. Dennis was a fine player. It's just that they needed more financial flexibility. And they believed Dennis to be expendable, just as they believed Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro, and the other Adam Humphreys, the other cuts that they made, they believed them to be expendable players at this point. It's the business side of things. And I understand why people are pissed because Dennis Kelly uh, has been, as Hunter Cannon points out, a very solid player at a fair, fair price. But right now, solid players, even if it is a fair price for Dennis, uh, teams are looking at the salary cap and be like, yeah, you know, we can get away with uh, not paying a fair price and getting younger and moving on because you know they're going to have to draft another tackle at this point. By the way, they also re-signed Ty Sambrello and Kendall Lamb is the new addition from the Cleveland Browns, and he will be on the radio show at some point this week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, for what it is worth, bringing back Ty Sambrello changes how I feel about this a little bit. Well, Ty, Ty played primarily on the left side, but Kendall Lamb has been a swing tackle, so essentially there's going to be competition between those two and, I imagine, a rookie draft pick at some point. Chris Alonzo82380 says, any chance of a clowny, clowny reunion or Kerrigan signing? So I wrote about this for a to ZSportsNashville.com because there's about, including Clowney, there's six viable options that the Tennessee Titans can sign. Now, really, the best fits are bringing back Clowney on an incredibly cost-effective deal, Ryan Kerrigan, or preferably Justin Houston. So if, if I was to rank them, I would say Clowney if he's completely healthy and the price is right. Justin Houston, Ryan Kerrigan. Justin Houston was still hugely productive for one of the best defenses in the sport last year. The Indianapolis Colts, he started all 16 games. He had eight sacks. He had a bunch of pressures. He had a bunch of knockdowns. He was effective as a pass rusher, and he's 31. You can still get a lot of productive reps out of that guy, and your biggest failing last year, other than the health of Clowney and really just the basic disinterest of Vic Beasley, is that the depth behind them sucked, like very, very much sucked. So I think it's hugely, I think it would be very, very smart is what I'm trying to say to not be done in free agency at that position. I think that you're, you know, if you want them to draft somebody, I understand because you're looking more at the long term. I'm thinking about the window that you guys continue to bring up. I think the best way to maximize the window is with cost-effective one-year deals for people like Justin Houston, Ryan Kerrigan, or Jadavion Clowney, who's essentially going to have to take a prove-it deal. I think that you can structure in a way that it works very well for you with voidable years. That is the secret weapon at this point of NFL executives this offseason. You saw Jayon Brown's contract where it looks like a three-year deal for $5.25 million, but it's actually a one-year deal. And the two years on that contract that he signed have already voided because he was on the roster on the fifth day of the league year. So all these things are possible with the right financial gymnastics. There's a chance. There's certainly a chance. But at this point, they're not under any pressure to make a decision because they've already got Dupree. They're going to have to wait for Clowney because he's not expected to be medically cleared until next month, which next month is rapidly approaching in April, but still a situation to monitor because you don't want to give him a bunch of money again, no matter how much less it is than it was last year, and his knee, bot, his knee not be right. That's the thing that you have to monitor. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. 
Um, and I know they like Ryan Kerrigan and a lot of different things that he brings to the football team. But at this point, they're going to keep their options open, and it just depends on how long Kerrigan and Houston are out on the market. By the way, the other guys are Melvin Ingram. Uh, Geno Atkins is not necessarily an edge player, but he's still a productive player, an interior defensive lineman. You have guys like Everson Griffin, who, uh, not really for me, not necessarily the best fit, but he's still a productive player, and you could find uses for him. It just depends on how much you're willing to pay him and how much or how little he's willing to do at that point. But Clowney, Houston, Kerrigan, that would be my list of guys that you could still add. Hunter Moss wants to know, how full do you envision Nissan Stadium being by this fall? Okay, so this is a capacity question. Um, And I texted a couple people to kind of gauge where things were trending. You know, they had the 10,000 vaccinations at Nissan Stadium this weekend, which was really cool to see. It's a good job out of them to facilitate that. The answer is, I mean, (laughs) the answer is we have no idea, right? Like, for me to give you any kind of definitive answer on the pandemic would be asinine. It would be stupid. I would have zero factual evidence to base that off of other than it seems at this point as vaccinations continue to increase as people, you know, we've had hundreds of millions at this point of people get the coronavirus. And fortunately, there have been many survivors, but unfortunately, there's been over a half a billion, uh, half a million people dead. Like it's been complete and utter catastrophe. So, with all the variants that are circulating around, how they affect day to day life, what the effect of the vaccines are on the variants that are going around, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't give you an answer on that, Hunter. I wish I could, but what the NFL is going to do is going to be more strict than what the state allows for in Tennessee because they're going to have to be lead league-wide applications of attendance policy. They're going to allow for some variance like you saw with Tennessee and the Florida teams last year where the government will allow X amount of people into the stadium, but it depends on what the NFL's cap on that number is going to be. It's very much a day-to-day, a week-to-week, month-to-month proposition. So to tell you what Nissan Stadium would look like in the fall, I, I just, I have no, I have no scientific way of doing that other than to tell you get a damn shot in your arm, and I'll see you in Nissan Stadium because I'll be there. I want the rest of you to be there too. I get to be there because I'm paid to be there, and I'm considered on game day essential personnel. The rest of you. Uh, I would love for you guys to be there. We missed you very, very much at the stadium last year. It's uh, it's a much different experience for me, who enjoys game day, to not have many, many more fans on game day. The playoff game at Nissan Stadium, it you know, it felt uh, it felt fraudulent a little bit, just because there was no. I mean, there was a little bit of an atmosphere, but you know what I'm saying. So I want you guys all back. I want you guys. You know, I'm not going to tell you to get a vaccine if you don't want a vaccine. Whatever. All I'm saying is it helps a lot scientifically based on how the numbers are trending if there are more vaccines being distributed. Vaccines are good. I'm excited about the vaccine. Maybe some of you aren't excited about the vaccine. It's a personal choice. I'm not here to tell you how to influence, uh, how to, uh, you know, how to approach your day-to-day life as it relates to your health. All I'm saying is the more people vaccinated, the more likely we are to see full capacity, or at least close to full capacity 
in NFL stadiums this fall. Warner 08. So now that we have seen the majority of free agent signings with a few stragglers, is this looking more and more like the Titans take a wide receiver round one unless a better all-around player falls to their spot or still looking at the defensive side of the ball? So they signed Josh Reynolds yesterday on Monday as we're taping this podcast, and I still think that there is a need for a wide receiver in either the first or second round, depending on when you can find the best available corner. I think those are your two top needs right now. And everything else, I think you can kind of wait on. Tackle depth, edge depth, defensive line depth. You're going to need all of those things. You still need safety help, given that you cut Kenny Vaccaro. So more often than not, they're going to go best player on the board. They're not going to draft straight up for position need. But I think it's reasonable to expect that the Titans will see a best player available be a wide receiver in that low 20s. I did see the corner, one of the corners, and I forget which school he went to, but he had a back procedure that's going to probably affect, I think he's from Virginia Tech, the corner, and I'm blanking on his name right now, so this is a bad job out of me. Long story short, they're going to go best player available. I wouldn't get married to the idea of a wide receiver in round one. Uh, We just have no idea how the draft board is going to break. Now, we have seen a lot of wide receivers sign in free agency, So there's a good chance that one of the more talented players will end up falling to you at 22 or in a spot where you're comfortable trading up into the late teens, into the, you know, further up into the early 20s, even though you're sitting at 22 right now. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get married to one position in the first round over another. I would just tell you, and they, you know, they tried this with Isaiah Wilson last year, it didn't work out, but it's going to be best player available at that spot based on how the draft board falls. Okay. We're trying to bang these out as quickly as possible. Tennessee man. That is not a question for the mailbag. Uh, Let us see. Buck, I'm not going to lie to you. I think the Reynolds pickup is a good one. This is from Tim D underscore 12 on the gram. With that being said, I think we go wide receiver second round and get a traditional slot guy, Elijah Moore, he says in parentheses. But I think first round we go nose interior defensive line, Barmore from Alabama. Am I crazy for thinking that? Um, You're not crazy? Because like I said, they're going to look at best player available, but Barmore becomes far less important at that point on the priority list because of Danico Autry. Like, when is he going to see the field? The Titans play more often than not only two down defensive linemen at any given point in their, if you want to call it their base defense, two down defensive linemen, two outside linebackers, and they get multiple with their fronts. Sometimes they use three down defensive linemen, but it's very, very rare. You want your first round pick to be able to contribute more than that. Danico Autry is obviously going to play the majority of snaps alongside Jeff Simmons. Now, are you comfortable with your depth being tier tart? And Lorel Murchison, Matt Dickerson is gone, by the way. He signed a one-year deal with the Raiders yesterday, which, you know, doesn't bother you any, given that Matt Dickerson really didn't do anything while he was here. But I just think that there are more, like if, if, if Barmore is sitting there, but one of the corners is as well, J.C. Horn, I would be shocked if he's there in the 20s, or Patrick, Patrick Sertain from Alabama. Like, if one of these guys are there, uh, it would be difficult to pass up a corner 
really a wide receiver when you're paying Danico Autry $21.5 million over the next three years to play on your interior defensive line. Although I do like Barmore, because outside of Barmore, and there's another interior defensive lineman in the draft whose name is escaping me, but there's really just kind of two guys, and the rest of them are just, as uh, my dear friend Rhett Bryan from Titans Radio describes them, big stiffs. That's basically what you're looking at in this defensive line class. They're, they're just a bunch of big dudes that are stiff. They don't move well. They just take up space. And that's not necessarily what you're looking for. You're looking for athletic dudes who can play within the scheme and who can be productive players. So you're not crazy, but I think that at this point, that is not the way that things are trending. But things are trending very well on the 615 Sessions podcast. Slide in my DMs every Tuesday. We'll be, we will do your Music City mailbag questions, as is the custom. We appreciate your participation as always. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed where you get this podcast every Tuesday. You can also subscribe to the podcast for my radio show on 104.5 The Zone, Buck Rising on 104.5 The Zone in your favorite podcast app. Great interviews, great conversation that we expand a lot on some of the stuff that we talk about here. And of course, the A to Z Sports Primetime Show, because I'm not talking enough Sunday to Thursday night at 8 p.m. If you don't know about it, come hang with us. Come hang with us on the A to Z Sports Digital Network. It's a good time had by all. Support the people who support this podcast. That's Two Rivers Ford and DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code A to Z Sports. In the meantime, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, and as always, Nashville, stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford, and it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Dot com.